NWP Radio. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. April showers bring May flowers, and all of us who enjoy moving on trails outdoors once again can test our superpowers. Ah, that rhymed. But I turned 50 this year and ache a little more than I used to. Still, there's nothing better than the month of April. Why? It's National Poetry Month, and we are thrilled to host another edition of The Right Time, this time featuring the love of verse, especially for student-athletes. Yes, this is a show not only celebrating the joys of poetry, it's a show that applauds youth in sports as well. I'm Brian Ripley Crandall, and I'm thrilled to be here with Tanya Baker, director of the National Programs. Research shows 50% of all high school students are involved as an athlete in one way or another in or out of school. And that is why Tanya is getting ready to sing, let's get physical, physical. I want to get physical. Let me hear my, I'm going to stop. Uh, she's singing it with Olivia Newton-John, isn't she? Um, isn't that right, Tanya? Oh, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Who agreed to let you co-host these shows? Oh yeah, it was your idea. So right. I guess it's your show. I'm laughing, though we might need some changes, but I am definitely, as you well know, not going to sing for anyone. I do promise after we record that I'm gonna tie up my sneakers and go for a run. It is beautiful here this afternoon. And while I do, I guarantee I will be thinking about poetry. We are so excited to have teacher Janae Penn with us this evening to discuss rhyme and rhythm, poems for student athletes with editor contributor, Sarah Donovan and teacher poets, Kristen Bartley Lentz and Stacey Lornan Joy. This collection released last fall is a must have for classroom teachers, especially to engage the young people in every school to see connections between their extracurricular activities and the power of language. We welcome you all to the right time. Hello everyone. Hello. So there are two things that I can name as the best things that have happened to me during COVID. The first is the creation of the show with Tanya Baker, the right time. And the second is I discovered the incredible work, the network of ethical ELA hosted by Sarah Donovan. April 1st begins hashtag verse love, a month long poetry writing challenge and community event. And I can't wait to wake up each morning to a poetic prompt. If you haven't done it and you want to write for 30 days, I highly recommend you look up Ethical ELA on the web. It was in this network that I met two of the poets, or three of the poets actually here tonight. And um, I am super excited to be able to introduce the editor of Rhyme and Rhythm, Poems for Student Athletes, Sarah Donovan. Sarah Donovan, PhD, is a former junior English language arts teacher of 15 years and an assistant professor of secondary English at Oklahoma State University. She wrote genocide literature in middle and secondary classrooms in 2016 and the young adult novel Alone Together in 2018. Dr. Donovan was the books and review columnist for Allen Review 2019 and serves as a state representative and board member for the Assembly of Literature for Adolescents of NCTE. Alan. She hosts a weekly blog, Ethical ELA, and has contributed chapters to the Best Lesson series, Talks with Teachers 2018, Queer Adolescent Literature as the Complement to the English Language Arts Curriculum, Roman and Littlefield 2018, Moving Beyond Personal Loss to Societal Grieving, and Contending with Gun Violence in the English Classroom. It is an absolute joy to have her with some of her poets here tonight. I'm going to pass it over to Tanya. 
Yeah, I'm thrilled that not only is Sarah here with us, but we have also have two contributors to the book, Kristen Bartley Lentz and Stacy Joy. Kristen Bartley Lentz is a writer and social worker who has lived in Michigan, Georgia, and California. Her debut young adult novel, The Art of Holding On and Letting Go, was a Helen Sheehan Young Adult Book Prize winner, a Junior Library Guild selection, and an honor book for the Great Lakes Great Books Award Statewide Literature Program. Her writing has been published in Rhyme and Rhythm, Poems for Student Athletes, The New York Times, Writer's Digest, Hunger Mountain, Literary Mama, Women on Writing, and more. She also writes freelance for Detroit area nonprofits and teaches creative writing for teens and adults. Welcome, Kristen. And Stacy Lauren Joy was born and raised in Los Angeles, is a national board certified teacher, Los Angeles County Teacher of the Year, and a self-published poet. She's been teaching in elementary education for 37 years. In addition to her self-published book, Naked Reflections, Shamelessly Sensual Poetry, I am getting that by the way, she has poems published in savant poetry anthologies, teacher poets writing to bridge the distance and rhythm and rhyme poems for student athletes. Welcome, Stacy. So when we learned we were going to host a special edition of the right time, April Poetry Month, in celebration of the month, rhyme and rhythm was going to be featured. I said it early on, I tried to get it as soon as I possibly could. I immediately thought of this incredible work and then I remember the brilliant work of a graduate student I had named Janae Penn. She's an English teacher at Fairfield College Preparatory School. And I was fortunate to work with her while she earned her master's in teaching foundations at Fairfield University. Janae Penn is an English teacher and cross country coach at Fairfield a Prep in Fairfield, Connecticut. As a division one track athlete at Georgetown University, she grew interested in sports stories and community activism. She was also a recipient of the 2018 Dean's Award for Student Excellence at Fairfield University with a thesis focused on sports literature in the classroom. Currently, Janae Penn has looked to the potential of young adult literature with a focus on sports in many texts as a vehicle to explore empathy with her students. We knew that she was perfect for, to be the teacher host for this event. So Janae, I think you prepared an introductory prompt for us that we could possibly pause if we wanted to and write, or we could write on later. Can you tell us what that prompt is? So <clears throat> think of your most cathartic and or memorable moment during a competition or event. Using as much description as possible, write about how you felt and or what you were thinking about in that moment. Finish by explaining your biggest takeaway or takeaways from that moment. That's a good prompt. Brilliant, yeah. Well, mom and dad get to go away now and let you all have a great conversation and we will be back in approximately 30 minutes and we hope you enjoy yourselves. We know we're gonna enjoy it. So bye. <laughs> okay, so um, I first wanted to have, well, hello everyone. Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Um, as I was reading through the book, I was like, oh, these poems are like perfect for the classroom. They're nostalgic for me as a student athlete and just teaching writing all together is just an anthology that's like the dream for a teacher who <laughs> works with all boys at a, you know, a school where about 95% of them are student athletes. So it's always nice to find new poetry, new literature to um, help them engage 
with the text and also develop their writing skills. So that prompted me to think of the question of writing. And since I'm talking to three wonderful writers, I wanted to ask you, was your dream to always be a writer? And can you explain that journey? Okay, I'll begin because mine's really short. The answer is no. Um, I didn't write. I wasn't a writer. I didn't see myself as a writer, even though, you know, I was a social worker before I was a teacher and I learned to listen to people's stories. And when I started teaching, I was really about asking for stories and listening to stories, but I didn't really do that work myself. I didn't tell my own story. I didn't sit alongside and write with, with students. So it wasn't until I realized that I needed to write with them and write alongside them that I became a writer. And so it was, wasn't until I was a teacher and my students invited my story that I started writing more. Um, so the journey has been just with students and in the service of teachers for the most part. I like that answer, especially since a lot of my students, well, one, they don't really like to write and they feel that, you know, trying to be a writer can sometimes be defeatist if that's not what you're trying to pursue. So I, I love that answer that it wasn't something that you always pursued, but it's something that kind of developed over time. I think that can be extremely helpful to young learners right now. All right, you want me to jump in next? <laughs> Um, so I actually did always want to be a writer. It was my dream from the time I was a little kid. And uh, I was um, I was kind of a sickly kid. You know, I had really terrible asthma that was not under control. And I had bronchitis and pneumonia every single year, you know, as this little kid in the hospital under an oxygen tent. And um, so I just read books all the time. I just read, 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 total bookworm and um, wanted to be a writer. And But something happened in my, you know, teen years and college years and I lost confidence in my writing somehow my childhood imagination disappeared you know I didn't know what to write about anymore um, and I think I just needed to see more of the world you know my worldview needed to expand um, so I followed some of my other interests which um, Sarah I don't know if we I don't know if I realized before that you were a social worker so that was the path that I went on too so I you know majored in psychology and then social work um, and I was focused on that for you know ten years or so before I finally came around to uh, to writing again, and that was because I realized that. I was one of the only social workers in existence who loved paperwork, <laughs> you know, like my fate. I mean, as much as I loved working with people and talking, it, it was fairly, you know, exhausting for me. Um, you know, I'm such an introvert. So the favorite part of my day was when I could close my door and write my reports and do my assessments. And I realized I, I was I was writing people's stories, you know, and and by that time, my world had, of course, you know, exploded and expanded and new numerous ways and I finally had things to write about so uh so yeah that was uh I found my voice uh much later than I thought but but I got there thank you and Joy would you like to share sure so I think that what's weird about me is that I started off knowing that I would teach like you know I was probably five or six years old playing school mm -hmm. and I do believe that teachers are always writers also because I wrote, like I wrote stories for my invisible students and I wrote poems for gifts for people in my family. And then I think it was probably around 
maybe right as my teaching career started, I think that's when I saw the need for different types of writing that my students didn't have. Um, we didn't have the type of text that I wanted to, wanted to teach my students. The poetry was just like zero. And I said, maybe I should write some poems and have my students learn them. And that's how that started. So I think the writing for me was always in me, but I didn't see myself as a quote unquote writer. And now I see that there's definitely a, a crossover between teaching and writing. Oh, I, I kind of love all of those answers. And I love that Kristen found a similarity with Sarah, like diverting from the journey and then getting back into the journey. And I think that could be excellent for like students, again, who are still figuring themselves out, don't have everything figured out so early in life. And like, I think that's a wonderful message for them to, to see like actual writers, published writers, um, not having everything figured out early on in life. And you could always, you know, adjust and make those changes. <clears throat> so you all became poets through your, your journey and writing and, you know, expressing yourselves. So I want to ask, were there any other genres you thought of pursuing, or maybe you do dabble in in your free time, um, for example, like science fiction, horror, romance. Um, have you ever thought about writing anything, or do you write for different genres? Should we go in the same order <laughs> or reverse? Or order order this time. Time. Let's just have yeah. a conversation. Like okay. I know Stacy has that collection of poems that's romantic. I know, I, I saw that in the intro and I was like, I kind of want you to talk a little bit more about that. Okay. That's what we want to know about, yes. Right. What's so bizarre about that though is that was unexpected. So the year that I finished the UCLA writing project was the year that my mom passed away. And I was in a very, very dark place and I kept finding myself wanting to just retreat into writing to find some kind of peace. And I was also in a really bad situation in my marriage. So I was like craving just a sweet, romantic world. And I created it. And it became the book that I decided to self-publish back in 2013. And I haven't done anything since then. <laughs> it's just my little hot book that sits there waiting for somebody to put their hands on whenever they feel like it. That's beautiful. Yeah. And that's a very interesting outlet too. <laughs> right. So it's it's definitely sensual and, and erotic. Um, and it's not, I wouldn't say it's, it's not porn, but it's definitely not for children. Mm. <laughs> but it's very well, Stacy, I'm thinking about, you know, what you said before about, um, you know, well, Jenny asked about if we're a writer, if we see ourselves, um, do we always want to be a writer? And I think like that we all are writers mm -hmm. and it's just this, this label of like, I am a writer and that it's difficult to say those words because it, it maybe sounds like you're, um, owning something that belongs to someone else where it, there's no exclusivity here. Like we all are writers, we all are telling stories in different ways. And, um, but that there's a, that it serves us as well. And in this moment, it served as a place for you to find comfort, to find healing, 
to imagine the things that you needed um, to create them for yourself agency. So I think like whenever we're writing, we are like, we are being agents of our own life, of our own story. And I love, I love that you wrote that. I'm going to, I'm going to, I can't believe I haven't read it yet, but I'm going to read it. And also I know all, the, all of your poems that are sitting on Ethical Yale can be collected into that book. I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, Stacy, I love how you wrote what you needed at that time, you know, and then to think of other people finding your words when they need it to, you know, and the comfort that it's going to bring them. And I tend to, I feel like I've only actually dipped a toe into the poetry world. And I do that when I, when I choose poetry, it's because of some sort of raw mix of emotions that I'm having trouble expressing any other way, you know? Um, so I'm actually more inclined to write novels um, and so, and, and fiction. So that's usually what I write and, and mostly what I've published. Um, but in between that time, you know, I'll work on smaller projects some poetry or, or yeah, often it's a, it's a personal experience, something I'm struggling with. And when it's not a, a one clear cut emotion, you know, it's that, it's that, you know, it's that swirl and confusion and I'm trying to sort it out and it's very raw and um, yeah, it comes out in poetry. I love these responses. Just, yeah, as writers expressing yourself through any method, it's, it's all, you know, the same. And I, I love just being able to pick your minds about this because, you know, even as a teacher, right, I do have to sample writing from my students to teach them. And it's just, it's all a part of the process and it could come out in any, any way, any means. So I, I love these responses. Um, okay, so now getting more into the nitty gritty of the book. <laughs> uh, what interested you in sports and how did you get involved? And can you share a little about your experience with sports? I'm not sure, I read your, bios your your short bios and i saw that you know some were athletes and some were just familiar with sports their friends were athletes so what got you interested in writing about sports Kristen, i would love for you to start with this one because you know i met uh i met Kristen through her book the art of holding on uh and letting go and that's right the title right yeah. yes <laughs> yeah uh, and I read, when I read that book, it's about a mountain climber or a climber. And I just was one, I was always thinking about like how you knew to write that so well and were you a climber? And um, I, I don't know if I just assumed you were or not, but I don't know, can you speak to that? Or I, like you told a little bit about your, um, your health growing up, but where does sports fit in? Where did that story fit in? Yeah, exactly. And um, so I was not sporty at all. <laughs> I mean, I think I failed at every sport I tried, you know, whether it was my lungs or my scrawny size um, or it was stage fright, you know, something interfered. I was never successful. I, I think I would do better in today's times when, you know, gym class you can choose from, you know, doing yoga and weightlifting. And, um, but at, when I was in high school, this was, you know, this was not working out well. Um, you know, what, what I had success in, as, I don't know if they still do this in elementary school, you know, how they, you used to have to uh, see how many sit-ups you could do and how many pull-ups. And there was that 
there was that arm hang thing where you had to hang up above the chin up bar, you know, for how long can you do it? Like that, I rocked. Like I was the, I was the champ at that. So the, that strength to weight ratio. Um, and, uh, but it took me like 20 years to find the sport that corresponded to that skill. And that was rock climbing. So yeah, I didn't, um, right after not being successful at anything and not feeling strong and not having much confidence in anything physical. I still don't know what exactly made me try rock climbing. Um, my husband and I had moved to Georgia from Michigan. So it was my first time in the mountains and I was just loving everything about it. Um, I was failing at whitewater kayaking with my husband. My husband is like an all around sports guy, good at absolutely everything the first time he tries. Um, so I was struggling in this whitewater kayak and looking up at the mountains um, and I could see rock climbers and, you know, I've never really been afraid of heights and, but I've been, you know, I'm flexible and um, I can lift my own body weight. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, it was, it was something that I was successful at, um, you know, fairly quickly. And um, it was great for my asthma because you have to breathe through climbing. You know, you're going to fall if you hold your breath. So it, it really taught me to breathe and gave me strength and confidence. And um, yeah, and it was some of those rock climbing experiences that then led to my novel. I imagined a teen climber girl and, you know, what her, how her life would be very different than mine growing up. Wow. Yeah, that's... <laughs> That's an amazing story. I'll have to piggyback with the uh, arm hang because oh, yeah. <laughs> as a teacher of fifth graders, they have to do that. <laughs> All right, it's still there. State testing that takes place with physical education and literally no one can hang and hold on. <laughs> it is the scariest thing to watch these strong little children who play all day long and they do the hang and they can't pull up interesting just drop straight down so congratulations <laughs> that you right. were able hey my one physical talent <laughs> my background with sports is um all directly related to my mother because she was a PE teacher mm. in the same school district where I teach for 40 years and she was the ultimate swim teacher we had a swimming pool growing up and she would invite children, adults, anyone who wanted to learn to swim. And then we all, my sister and my mom and I would be like the swim teachers. So we had sports with my mom for the bulk of our childhood. Um, badminton on Sundays, she had the keys to the gym. So we'd go in and play badminton. When this was just the family, we just have a good time. Um, volleyball, bowling. She coached the softball team and I would go out and watch the girls play softball. But as a high school teacher, she had a different relationship with sports because it was very, very competitive. I didn't have that. Like I was like, ooh, I'm not playing softball. So the only thing I did in high school was cheerleading. Oh. And um, that was very rigorous and very exciting. Um, so I would say that my sports is more of swimming. And if you want to say cheerleading for the couple of years of that, yes. that was, mm-hmm. I would definitely say cheerleading. It takes athleticism <laughs> to yes. do what you do off there. Right. But I may not have won the best cheerleader, but I did win for most inspirational and spirited. There you go. <laughs> you are. 
Um, you know, I, I grew up in a family of uh, 11 children and we uh, had a great park district and we made lots of use out of that. Our parents just enrolled us in everything and sent us out the door to join the soccer or the softball or the tumbling or, you know, uh, yeah, or like there wasn't any climbing gym back in the day. Now there's climbing gyms in park districts. We didn't have one of those to try. Mm -hmm. And we just got sent out swimming, all those kinds of things. And I tried, I did those things that I was told to do. <laughs> like, Here, take your sister's mitt and go play softball. And, you know, I would get hit in the face with the ball, um, go swim. And I had terrible vision. So I like, I hated swimming because I couldn't see. And this was like pre-contact lenses and all of that. It was not a good sport for me. But I ended up to becoming very tall. I'm 5'11". And, um, and I tried basketball, but uh, I didn't do so well with the proximity of people like pushing me. Um, so that didn't like, I just didn't know how to react to that. And so volleyball became like my sport in junior high. And it was a, a coach like there that sort of brought me in, un, under her wing and taught me how to play. And then also introduced me to club sports. And so this was the first time I ever heard anything about club sports. We couldn't afford club sports. Um, so my father like negotiated with the coach to like trade for like uh, doing photography work for them so that I could be trained. And we, this was my ticket to college. Like my father said, like, we cannot afford for college. Um, if you want to go, you need to get a scholarship. And so that's why I, I played. I, I didn't love competing. I was never big at competing. I just loved, I loved to play. Um, I, and I wanted to play well and I wanted to do well and I loved training. I loved being with the people. Um, and I wasn't always very social, but when you have a sport, you can be social for the sport. And then when practice is over, or the game is over, you, then you can go, you can go be by yourself. And, you know, so I kind of have friends through my sports, which was always kind of how it was. And then I became a beach volleyball player. Um, and I've loved that ever since I've once, I think beach volleyball player was beach volleyball was the best because there were no coaches. Um, you, it's you and your partner and you, you set your training schedule and you train how you want to, and you don't have people threatening you or, um, trying to find how to motivate you. Like it all has to kind of come from within and your, uh, commitment to your partner. And so just learning like the evolution of that sport uh, for me. Yeah. But I, I was so heartbroken when COVID hit and all of the beaches closed and all the parks closed. And, um, and there was like all my girls that I played beach volleyball with were just like, you know, sitting in their apartments. It was just so sad. Yeah. I think it hit a lot of us who, who like to be outside, who like to run, like community. And I think it's definitely impacted um, the youth and not being able to have those experiences. And, and it's all coming back. It's all coming back now. So it's wonderful. Um, but you also mentioned that you're 5'11". Shout out to the tall girls. I'm yeah. Wow. <laughs> So I love that. <laughs> and I did want to play volleyball, but when I got involved with cross country and track, my high school coach just would not let me do anything other than run all year. So I'm also very envious of the, the volleyball playing. <laughs> uh, I'm going to come to Connecticut. We're going to play. We'll play. Yes, please, please. <laughs> I would love that. I'm not going to say that I'm great at it, but I would still love to try to do it, get out there and get some sun as well. Thanks. Um, <clears throat> so 
keeping in in tune with the the story um the anthology aside from the poems that you've written i really wanted to kind of get an idea of whether or not any of the other poems resonated with you like i know for me um, there were two poems in particular, cross-country meets, because I, I ran cross-country, I coached cross-country, and it's just the combination between, like, you're out there running, but you also have, like, external factors going on, and then, um, you know, what's the big deal, the, the poem that talks about the African-American students, um, not wanting to swim <laughs> during gym class and the reasons because they don't want to get their hair messed up so there were and that's just a couple of a larger group of poems that resonated with me so I wanted to to ask were there any other poems in the ones you've written that resonated with you yeah there were so many and um I did narrow it down to a couple of them um and for different reasons um one of them was uh what people see by Ismay Williams, um, and I don't, can I, do we have time for me to read it, or should I just talk about it? I would love for you to read it, because I, I would yeah. like to hear it as well. Let me read it. It was just, it, it was just so moving, um, and really stayed with me, um, and she, she's writing about, um, from the point of view of a boy, um, but, um, and she's actually written, if it, when I looked up her bio, she's written um, some novels too, and one of them also deals with sports too, so I'm looking forward to looking from, at more of her work too. So this is called What People See. What do people see when they take in all six foot two of me, the bulk of muscles that even a winter coat can't hide, my skin closer to pirates black than home team white, when I stand on a mound, a ball about to fly 95 miles per hour from my hand or over a strip of base, fists clutching three pounds of hard ash, they cheer. But on the subway, even if I'm wearing my baseball cap, strangers' eyes skitter to the floor, to the seats, to the graffitied walls, anywhere but on me. <clears throat> Except for you, you were a stranger once on a train Yet you saw more. You saw beyond the menace of this body. You saw beyond the promise of my uniform. You smiled at my words and cracked open my heart like a bat striking a ball from the park. Your small dancer's hand took mine and you stayed because you saw me. So isn't that wonderful? I really love that poem. Yeah. Too. <laughs> yeah, and I just yeah the 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 contrast and you know I oh it, it just really affected me so that you know you saw beyond the menace of this body you saw beyond the promise of my uniform you saw me you know I it's just it, yeah it was really profound. Uh, I love that one. I, you know, I didn't ever meet Ismay either. You know, I. Uh, found her I looked for her you know I I saw the book that she was publishing on sports and um, read some you know on Amazon you can do the look inside and then you can like read a little you know things like that and I just knew I wanted to hear a poem from Miss May and was so happy that she agreed to write that and when I when I read it you know a lot of times when I was um some people like submitted poems sometimes I um asked for a couple extras or for some revisions and when she sent that one I was like just leave it alone I just just how it is is perfect you know I love it. 
and hearing you read it is another a completely new experience for me mm. like I heard things that I didn't see when I read it mm -hmm. interesting yeah yeah I used um that poem I I very briefly taught a a six-week class with a group of homeschooled teens and um I, I used this book um and that was one of the you know poems that I read to them and shared and it was a, a great one for generating conversation and reflection Right, I could definitely send myself, especially at an all boys school full of athletes using that one in the classroom too. Yeah. Okay, speaking of boys, I would like to read the one from Nikki Grimes, unless Stacy, that was one you are, we're gonna read. Okay, I'm gonna, Nikki Grimes. Oh, she's my girl. Uh, <laughs> I love everything that she writes and she, um, her, her work, especially her novels in verse, have been in all of my junior high classes, all of my college classes. I'm handing her book around like to everybody. And so when she um, wrote this poem for the anthology, I was just um, so happy. And so now this resonates with me, um, not because it's anything like me at all, just because I wish I wish I felt this. I wish I, I wish I had written this. I wish I was the kind of person who could write it. Um, I think girls who play sports, boys who play sports, non-binary people who play sports, our bodies are just um, so present with us all the time. And that when they do or don't do what we want them to, um, but then there's this other part of performance where we're performing and playing these sports in front of other people. And that's a whole nother level of stepping out onto the court under the gaze of other people. And so I'm always so worried about being judged. I mean, I'm always judged. Like, uh, and so this poem for me was like, I wish I could step in front of people and, and have this kind of reaction. So I'm gonna read it. Runner by Nikki Grimes. Side-eyed, I see you in the bleachers licking your lips at the sight of my thighs, stunning in their muscular turn. I shake out my limbs at the starting line and smile, knowing you are mistaken in my body's purpose. Head smartly on the swivel, my neck and shoulders display perfect posture. The mounds rising from my chest, soft as pillows, camouflage the sturdy heart beneath. My waist cinches in all the energy needed to fuel my stride. I lunge and stretch quadriceps and calves curved and toned from routinely carving a line around this track, discipline being the only middle name I answer to. My chiseled black arms are motors of movement ready to swing and counterbalance to help lift me off the ground. My impressive gluteus maximus is more mighty engine than cute caboose. You got no clue. <laughs> I dig my toes in the dirt, wait for the starter gun and explode off the blocks, my destination in clear sight. Later boys. That's a good one. <laughs> it's the best ending, right? And just, oh, I love it. And to say it with attitude too, right? Later boys. <laughs> It's also just the confidence that I do not have that she's able to just yes. cross in this poem. Yes. And who knows, like, who knows if that's how Nikki feels in real life or not. But when you write that poem, you can do it. You know, mm -hmm. so, I, you know, I could write, I would like to write that poem and say what I wish I would say or feel how I wish I could feel. And maybe it would come true if I would just write it. I don't know. No, it's very empowering for sure.
What about you, Stacey? (laughs) I chose uh, Kim Johnson's poem, and she did a golden shovel, which is one of my favorites. Nikki Grimes, of course, also too. (laughs) Um, But the golden shovel poem she wrote is called A Tribute to Athletes. And the line that she used for her golden shovel comes from Mary Oliver's poem called Evidence. And the line is, keep some room in your heart for the unimaginable. And the poem reads, keep mind, skin, and soul in the sport, even on some days when the body resists. Make room to persist, cheering yourself through the hoops in slumps. Jump higher to tackle your hurdles, to bat heart-stopping grand slam home runs for the love of the game. With the grit of a true athlete, discover your unimaginable power to accomplish the impossible. (laughs) For me, it just speaks so well of what I always hold my heart on, and that is hope Mm. and faith and persistence and hard work just it's all embodied in her poem but it's mixed in with the sports mm-hmm. thing um i also felt that cheering inside of me like i felt like somebody was saying come on you can do it you can do it and i think that's what's so important to use with our students because so many times they're facing un- unbelievable pressure and stress and we don't often even know what it is but to hear some affirmations and poems that speak to being able to persevere and being able to be victorious, it might just change their day, could change their lives. So I, I, I love Kim's writing all the time anyway, but that one really spoke to me. Honestly, all of these poems were fantastic. <laughs> they all kind of approach different topics, different angles. So I, I can see any of them being used in the classroom, but the ones that you all have read just now, they're just, oh, they're all just amazing. I can't even say much more about them than that. Um, but no, Stacy, that poem is a great segue. I'm gonna skip ahead a bit to another question I might have. Um, In many schools and communities, athletes are stigmatized as one-dimensional jocks, right? Meaning that they only care about sports. So these poems collectively do an excellent job of humanizing athletes as people who have personal experiences at home, at school, academically, at work, outside of their sports, et cetera. How impactful do you hope this anthology will be for students, athletes, parents, anyone teaching this or reading this? Um, And what do you want them to take away from this book? Gosh, I, um, the impact of this, yeah, thank you. Yeah, this is a great question. And I think um, my my wish, first of all, was for it to be a multidimensional book. You know, Mm -hmm. I wanted it to be, I wanted to trouble this notion of athlete. Um, I wanted to trouble um, narrow conceptions of what sport is. Um, And I wanted to think about, you know, I think just 
the body was really present with me when I thought about this uh, anthology because I had been so stationary. You know, almost three years now I've been sitting in this room um, because of COVID. I haven't been able to even teach with you know, my entire body, which is how I knew to be a teacher, um, moving around the classroom and listening in on conversations and, um, and, you know, physically being alongside students. And so, so body was very heavy on my mind. And I, I think all of the students that we know who struggle to sustain a long period of time sitting in the classroom uh, and needing to use their bodies or the students who come to school only because of their sport or only because of PE, right? But also the students who, who hide in the bathroom during PE because they don't want to go, right? Also the students who stay in your classroom at lunch, you know, or after school instead of going to the game that's right down the hallway, you know, uh, all those ways that like sports and bodies and athletics are just um, pervasive in schools in general and that there's lots of different perspectives in it. And so I think for me, I just want it to be um, to showing different dimensions of the students and, and the lives of, of, of the people that we take care of. And I think I have guilty of all the time as an English teacher, just like, I just think my, my subject matter is the only thing that they have, you know, but they have all these other classes and all these other activities and all these other um, relationships in their life. And I think we can just um, sort of, like you said, just be maybe kind of have narrow or one dimensional perspectives of them. And this collection of poetry does that I think it it tries to shatter that dimension and make it multi-dimensional and one of the other things like when I was thinking about this is I was trying to look for anthologies about sports and they're all they're all the same kind of poem mm -hmm. um, about bats and balls and um, winning and losing um, without the other dimensions of the person mm -hmm. um, so those are all the wishes that I that I have for it and, and I think, I think, oh, okay. Yeah, no, I think we ended up with, it was such a, a, a wide field of sports and experiences and identities and styles of writing and, you know, from, you know, serious to moving to whimsical. Um, yeah, I just, I, I keep going through it again and again and finding new discoveries. Um, and yeah, I, I am really looking forward to seeing what more students do with it. Mm -hmm. And I think for me as a teacher, especially with, with elementary school, it's so hard to, like, I see the little, the little athlete, like I can tell right away, like I have a student who he's a beast on the field, but that's just one out of 25 students. What about the girl who can't catch? And what about the girls who are saying, they're afraid of the ball. And it makes me think more about if there's a way to teach a sport first in a poem, <laughs> like the behaviors of sports and the attitudes of athletes and the determination of an athlete. And like, like with Kim's golden shovel, if you can learn persistence and, and um, hope in a poem about a sport, maybe that could carry over to when we go to the playground. Let's, let's act like we're that person who won't quit and who mm -hmm. has the drive to make it all the way down the line, no matter how many people are blocking them. But then that also crosses over into academics because you have to have that same drive and that same passion to attack 
the subjects that are hard for you. So that's, I'm looking at it more in terms of how I can help cultivate a love for a sport through the poem that's written. Can I ask Stacy to read her poem? I don't want to, you know, you can say no, because I don't want to put you on the spot, but just what you said right there is like that these two things are happening at the same time and the students are often, you know, flipping back. And I think your poem like does that, it, 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 it mirrors that, um, that fracturing, but also the unity at the same time. Yeah, I, I, had the same, I had the same thought. <laughs> yes, please read it. Thank you. Okay. It's, it's called Athletics and Academics. Spelling any word forward and backward, slightly slanted cursive and perfect punctuation. Legs straight with fluttered kicks, head rolls, one ear in water, quick breath pull. Literature broadens your worldview. Mathematics expands opportunities. Count your laps in sets of twos, threes, then tens. Butterfly stroke for strength. Never begin a sentence with because. Follow the rules for using I and me. Arms overhead and back straight, look behind before you jump. Homework is not optional or negotiable. College degrees are generational. Balance on the edge of the board. Bounce three times before touching tips to toes. Teach your children to love sports and school. Go to their games and read their silly stories. In flight, inhale through blue skies. Trust technique and training over fear of failure. Mm. <laughs> I love that too for all of the, the nerdy student athletes out there <laughs> who they, it is a very complex thing, especially, you know, if, you are really good at your sport and people only think of you as that athlete. And you're like, no, it's more than that. And there's more to me. And I just love the combination of academics and athletics. And then, you know, going above and beyond what people just perceive you to be. So I, I really love that poem, Stacy. Thank, Thank you for reading that. Um, so I'll, I'll finish off with uh, one more question. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's cold over here and the weather is just driving me crazy. And I'm really jealous of you over there in California right now. <clears throat> Can you each discuss how a student might best find their rhyme and or rhythm for writing poetry? Maybe explain why you chose to write your poems and the styles in which you wrote them. And anyone can start. <laughs> I'll jump in. Um, I think, you know, for me, it kind of goes back to what I said earlier about how um, I will I will turn to poetry when I have a, a mix of emotions, you know, those raw feelings that I'm trying to sort out. So, um, so, so for me, yeah, I would suggest starting with with emotion, you know, and um, and those those raw feelings that you don't know how to express another way, um, and uh, and maybe tension too, you know, maybe there's uh, maybe something has happened. There's a, a situation or a circumstance that you're 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 questioning. You're not feeling right about. It's it's complicated. It's not straightforward, and um, and you know you can you can pour that out. Um, I think with the, the my poem that I chose in here. Um, 
I, I started off with, uh, um, I, I'll just read a couple lines because it kind of shows this, um, this emotion, but also this, um, something wasn't sitting well with me and I wanted to explore it more. So um, that's kind of what led me into the poem. Um, they call it a stitch, but my spleen is rupturing, splintering my rib cage. My lungs scorch, but still I run and run and run, chased by cleats, scraping my Achilles. Coach knows, coach knows I need a sub, but he's a bellowing bull. I'm counting on you. I count 10 girls on the bench who never get to play. Mm. So, so that was sort of like that, okay. it was that, it was that situation that was really weighing on me that was bothering me that I wanted to explore more. Um, and then, you know, and then it just, it led to a lot more. In my case, it actually was a, um, it actually turned into a story too, because I, you know, I kept going with it. You know, there was a lot more, um, but for the poem and for this collection, you know, it could only be so many lines. So then I really had to look at what is the heart that a, a heart of the matter? What is, you know, what, what is, what am I trying to crystallize um, that and and make concise, you know? So then it, it got cut back and sorted out that way. But but yeah, it was that emotion and intention that got it started. Thank you for that. That was wonderful advice. Stacy, what do you think? Well, you know, <laughs> I I I always go to music first with my students. Um, music is is poetry and once they look at some lyrics and realize, oh wait, this looks like a poem. Suddenly poetry is not this intangible thing. Mm -hmm. um, I also tend to ask students to really look at just themselves, who they are, their identities, and doing a lot of self-work first so that they can feel safe with sharing whoever they are. And writing about yourself first in poetry is so liberating. And then it also invites everyone into your space and you feel comfortable and you feel safe and you feel loved. So that's where I go with um, helping students find their rhythm and rhyme. Yeah. And so much. I think I just uh, encourage students to borrow other people's rhythm and rhyme mm. first. And so I am just a huge fan of mentor texts and mentor poems and um, you know, taking the first couple lines or even what Kristen just read and maybe um, it's not my sport, but it's something else. And maybe it's not sport. Maybe it's my mom. Maybe it's my sister. Mm -hmm. And I might take that stanza and, and, and use that line. I'm counting on you and think about like, you know, what my, how my sister would say that to me and kind of use that stanza and, and try to tell that story of my sister saying that to me. Mm -hmm. um, or Stacy's poem going back and forth between two different places. And I would say, what are the two places that you are or the two places that are kind of, that you feel torn between? Use that poem as a mentor text and write between those two places. Mm -hmm. um, so, so you don't have to do it alone. There's all these other authors in here to help you. you know. <laughs> yeah. And that's honestly what I love about the anthology is just so many different type of methods, so many different type of rhyme schemes, you know, some don't have rhyme schemes. Some are, you know, short stanzas, long stanzas, paragraph form. So like, I love that, you know, that idea of borrowing and, you know, you don't have to start from scratch. You have something that you can use. So but thank you for that. I was thinking um, behind the scenes that like when Kwame Alexander before the crossover came out, you know, he was always told that girls aren't gonna read about basketball and boys aren't gonna read poetry. And I, and I said to him when I, I saw it in draft form, I was like, this is the book 
we as English teachers need. We need this book in our classroom. And so when Rhyme and Rhythm was delivered to my door, I was like, this is it. This is the book because of the mentor texts that we need, because of the student athletes we have, and because of the the variety, you know, of perspectives, gender, um, equity, um, different, you know, physicalities. I was like, in all sports are represented. I was like, this is a must have for, you know, middle and high school classrooms, even late elementary, so that teachers have great mentor texts. Um, yeah. Janae, do you have a final prompt that you can leave us with, a writing prompt, and then we'll give some final yeah. thoughts. <clears throat> so. There are a variety of methods used to display messages through poems and stories displayed in rhyme and rhythm poems for student athletes. Some sections focused on specific sports characteristics and experiences. Some sections portrayed how sports are an outlet to explain or manage personal experiences. Using the latter method, draft a message you can incorporate in a poem, then write an actual poem as short or as long as you desire to illustrate your message. That is a phenomenal exit prompt. Yeah, nice. Tanya, what are you thinking? We were texting back and forth behind the scenes. I know, I'm thinking so many things. I mean, I, as a person who was not good at sports and, and grew up in a time when like you just, I felt like school just told you to do what you were already good at like access to this kind of wide range of um, thinking and writing about what sport is and what sport means and who gets to play um, makes me feel like nostalgic and a little sad and, and really joyous for uh, young people today. So um, it's been such a pleasure to hear you all read your favorites, see the wide range in the book, and talk about your own experiences and how they, um, and the sort of uh, fullness of the experiences that are brought to this anthology and what a great model that is for young people. So that's how I'm feeling and what I'm thinking. Brian, how about you? I, well, I said, I texted um, behind the scenes. I was like, I forgot that I'm recording. I felt like I was like in a stadium watching a panel of experts. Um, and I was like, I was really engaged. And then at one point I texted Tanya, I was like, this needs to be professional development. Like people, schools need to show this conversation um, and how, how rich it is between language, movement, physicality, and the mm -hmm. out of school lives so many of our young people live. Um, I, I just thought it was amazing. And then to go to the beginning prompt, I was thinking, what was an, a sporting event that I accomplished something? And I don't feel like I ever accomplished anything. But when I ran my first half marathon in Louisville, Kentucky, I finished it. I was under two hours. And I everybody was looking at me when I finished. And I didn't know why. And then this guy put his arm around me. And he goes, you need to wear Band-Aids next time. I didn't know about chafing. Like, when you run... <laughs> When you run 13 miles, like you chafe and it was red streams just coming down. Oh, and, it, and, and I remember I had to throw the shirt away, but I was thinking, cause I, I'm a fan of all of your poetry too. And I know the month that's coming up, you know, poet, National Poetry Month. And I'm like, I wonder if I can turn that event into a, a, a poem because yeah. it was embarrassing, but I was proud. But at the same time, that's not a normal do thing but apparently it is because I wasn't in I wasn't cued in on the band-aid secret that people seem to know about but anyway yeah there's yeah. insider knowledge right? insider so knowledge insider and that's knowledge. where sometimes the best material comes from <laughs> yeah.
Yeah. Um, it really was. I mean, there's so many things I want to talk to Stacy about this thing and share about this thing, but it's also um, probably time for us to call it a night. So especially for those of you on the East Coast or places where it's cold and you need to snuggle up for the evening. <laughs> uh, thank you so, so much for this conversation. We really appreciate you all being here. We appreciate this book being out in the world. And we're so looking forward to uh, all of the month of April and uh, spending time with you, ethical ELA with First Love. Um, it's always also my um, job at the end to thank listeners who are here or viewers who are here with us and to remind you that the National Writing Project wants you never to miss these amazing conversations. So please, if you haven't already, go to nwp.org sign up for our newsletter so you never miss an issue of the right time, an episode of the right time. Join our community at studio.nwp.org where we have a community, a group called Teachers as, Writer, as Poets. So if you want to write some poetry with other teachers, that's another place. And yes, everybody shake that book one more time, please. It's National Poetry Month and your students want rhyme and rhythm and you want it in your classroom too. Thank you, everyone, and good night. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. NWP Radio.